Christmas, as I'm sure we all know, is full of emotion. And we've experienced some of that this evening already. There's joy and excitement. Great. Well, welcome back. Hope we didn't lose too many people in that little interlude. But as I was saying, Christmas, as indeed we all know, is full of surprises and full of emotion. So there's joy and excitement. There's wonder and eager anticipation too. But if we're honest, there's also heartache and loneliness and disappointment and frustration all associated with Christmas. We wish one another a happy Christmas because we know that the reality is that Christmas comes with a whole mix of feelings and emotions just as it always has. When we read about the first Christmas it's not all celebration and fun. We also find fear and hostility wrapped up in the reality of a baby born under strange circumstances far away from home. And we've heard quite a few readings this evening from different parts of the Bible to remind us of a few of the key elements of the Christmas story. But I wonder if we notice that the last one actually came at a moment much closer in time to Easter than to Christmas. Now, a lot of advertising plays on the positive emotions of Christmas. I saw an advert for Boots at a bus stop the other day that simply said, give joy. And that made me stop and think about whether or not joy is something that can be given and what the advert was perhaps really wanting to say. But I wonder what we're all expecting from this Christmas as we enter the final week leading up to the big day. Will it be a big celebration, or are we worried that it might be a big disappointment, perhaps? And what do we do about that? Well, Jesus often spoke words of comfort to people in difficulty. On his final evening with his closest friends, he said these words, Do not let your hearts be troubled. I wonder if that's something that we need to hear this evening. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Our hearts can be troubled for all sorts of reasons. There are plenty of things going on in the world today that cause our hearts to be troubled. And the word troubled means agitated or disturbed. And it describes a state of heart where peace is no longer present like a cup of tea that's been stirred with a spoon. There's movement that needs to take time to slow down and settle. And we don't always pay close attention to the movement of our own hearts caused by emotions often hidden. But the reality is that like a swan gliding serenely across a pond, under the surface there can be a lot of movement going on which is completely unseen. So when Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled, he's not wanting his friends to just put on a brave face or to forget about their difficult circumstances. No, his advice to them is rather to face their fears by 
another means, by another way. And that way is by trusting him. You believe in God, believe also in me, Jesus says. Now, belief is an interesting thing. There are plenty of people who say they don't believe in God, but that doesn't mean that they don't believe in anything. The word for belief also means to trust or to rely on or to depend on or to be committed to or to have faith in someone or something. And all of these have the same root meaning. And it's one of the things that makes us human, I think, to trust. So we trust doctors, we trust pilots and car mechanics and lots of other people. And we learn early on as children to believe what our parents tell us. And then later on we learn not always to believe what our parents tell us. And the same thing with teachers at school. But we don't end up not believing anything and not trusting anyone. And of course we don't believe or trust or rely on someone or something unless we think that there's a good reason to do that. Jesus has just told his friends that after three years together, he's going to be leaving them very soon and that where he's going, they can't come. And Peter's reaction is to ask, Lord, where are you going? And Lord, why can't I follow you now? But the answers to those questions are bigger than they can grasp or understand at the time. And Jesus has also told them that one of them is going to betray him. So that's a lot to take on board, and he's probably not given them much warning. So it's no wonder that their hearts were troubled, hearing the things that Jesus was saying to them. But Jesus wasn't just telling them about what was going to happen over the next few days, even though that was really important. He had other things that he wanted them to hear things that they needed to hear. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. So there we have it, having told them about the things that were just about to happen and which by all accounts did happen, the betrayal, the arrest, the trial and the brutal execution by the Roman authorities. Jesus goes on to ask some questions and he makes some statements which he really wants his friends to hear and to take on board and us too. Jesus says, my father's house has many rooms. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. I will come back and I will take you to be with me. And these words that Jesus spoke were ones that he wanted them to believe and to trust. Jesus is giving them a very personal promise about a place that he's preparing for them. And the word for place means home. Jesus is leaving them. But he's doing that in order to prepare a permanent home for them all.
They've spent three years traveling around together, going from village to village and town to town. They've left family and friends behind to follow Jesus. And Jesus knows that the years ahead of them are going to be difficult too. But he promises them a home with him. And the only guarantee they have of what he is saying is the trustworthiness of his word. If his friends will trust what he's saying to them, then they will be helped at a heart level. They will feel reassured in spite of the distressing news that Jesus is just about to leave them. So what about us? Are we at all interested in this promise of a permanent home? And a bit like Christmas, the word home can have a mixture of emotions attached to it. As you can see from the program for this evening's Carols by Candlelight or the invitation that we've been uh, distributing, we've used the words come home as an invitation to our Christmas services here at Portswood Church. It's often said that home is where the heart is and our home is a place of belonging. But some people come from broken homes and many people live alone, so the words come home may not be as appealing to them or to us. But Jesus says, my father's house has many rooms, or more literally, many homes or dwelling places. And to make it absolutely clear that this promise extends beyond the few friends who actually heard him say those words, Jesus says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. So come home is not just an invitation, but it's a statement of purpose and promise by Jesus to anyone who believes and trusts his words. We will come to them and make our home with them. Just as Jesus came into the world and made his dwelling, or made his home among us that very first Christmas, so we can receive him and have him make his home with us today, this Christmas. And what a gift that is to have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit make their home with us, make their home within us, simply by trusting the words Jesus himself said. So let's just take a moment to reflect, a quiet moment to ask ourselves, what, what does Christmas really mean to us? Did Jesus mean what he said? Can we trust in his promises? Can we believe his words? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life.